0: What an honor to be back. It was 10 years ago, next September, when RT, which I cannot imitate, introduced us, and uh, Pastor Colin took a risk on me and had me preach here, and I've been coming every year ever since. It's a great honor and a great privilege and uh, I told uh, I was on uh, Premier, which, as many of you know, probably come, my program comes at nine o'clock, and and so I was with John Pantry at an eight o'clock breakfast show, and I said, "Please come." So, how many of you responded to that invitation from that show? Well, here you go. I'll tell John at least two of you. <laughs> uh, I, I, I truly honor our friendship with Pastor Colin and I. I really do. Uh, When God laid this vision of a satellite channel dedicated 24-7 to evangelism and preaching the gospel, everything translated into Arabic, and we started on one satellite, now we are on nine satellites around the world. I... The the first visit I made, Joshua, my son, uh, and I came... Pastor Colin's office, and I said, there are going to be only a handful of Westerners on that channel, and I really want you to be one of those, because we have 35 Arabic speakers, uh, programmers on the channel, and no more than 11 or 12 uh, English speakers. Pastor Colin Dye is the only Brit on that channel, and some of you probably watch it Some of you watch it, you can get it here, you get it online, you get it on satellite. I have a dedicated line in my office in Atlanta, Georgia, in my home to Kingdom Sat. So I get to watch Pastor Colin die more than you do. I get to hear him practically every day uh, because he's on four times a day, five days a week. And I got to learn from him. And so if I preach well today, it means I've learned from him. I'm just so privileged and honored, this is my uh, 52nd trip around the world, Um, I've been privileged and honored to lecture and speak to pastors, church leaders throughout the world, and one of the things that I struggle with every time I go and pray, every time I preach here, is I go to the Lord and I said, Lord, what word would you have me say, what word would you give me to speak? Because when you preach you 1,300, know, 1,400 sermons, it's so easy to think, well, I'm going to do this. But I go and wait, and the Lord guided my thoughts to bring you a message that I believe, and I did not know until between services, the Lord is directing Pastor Colin in the same direction. So the Holy Spirit is one and the same, right? He's working in both of us. And in my, all of my travels, and I met with groups of people, individuals, in every one of the continents, and I've pastored in Australia in my early days, where I was trained, and, and then, you know, before that I was in Egypt, the first 18 years of my life, and then in the United States, West Coast, East Coast. But in all of my travels, I found that there is not a single believing Christian who does not want to have the fulfillment and the joy that comes from being productive for, for the kingdom of God. The joy that comes and the fulfillment that comes from being fruitful in the kingdom of God. Sometimes we allow, in, in, in trying to help people to be fruitful, you got to do this and you got to do that and you got to do the other thing. But today I'm going to show you from the word of God that to be productive, to be fruitful for the kingdom of God, to be fulfilled and joyful in a witness for Jesus Christ, all you need to do is the presence of God. When you are in the presence of God, everything is going to fall in place. When you are in the presence of God, not for any other ulterior motive, but just to be in the presence of God, God is going to speak to you in ways you never thought possible. God is going to use you in ways you never thought possible. And so the message of the book that we brought with us, Empowered by Praise, is a message that God taught me back in the early 90s. By the way, I didn't introduce my redhead wife for 43 years. She's over here, Elizabeth. And um, back in the early 90s, God put us through some very, very tough times, very difficult circumstances, uh, very trying times. And I cried to the Lord, and like everybody else, I want to be delivered. I want God to answer. I want God to do this, and I'm doing perform miracles, Lord. You know, this only supernatural can really get us out of this. And, and in my cry to God, the Lord began to speak to me. He said, I want to teach you some things so you don't waste this suffering time. I want to teach you how to be in my presence. And I want to teach you how to praise me all the time. And when, I, when you are in my presence then you're going to experience things you've never thought possible. And so the Lord graciously taught us and continues to teach us, it hasn't stopped, the power of praise. The Lord graciously guided our steps into the power of praise. The Lord has lovingly led us into this higher life that can only come from knowing how to praise the name of the Lord. Now, there are some people who think that, you know, praise is what you experience here this morning, which is, by the way, I tell the world over, this church is second to none when it comes to praise and worship. You really do have a, a fantastic team. And it's a wonderful thing to praise the Lord on the Lord's Day. But that's not just what I'm talking about. I'm going to be talking about a lifestyle of praise and worship, a lifestyle, your whole life, day in and day out. On Monday and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays, as well as Sundays, in a tube or in a a, a workplace or whatever you may be, you've experienced the presence of the Lord. Because in reality, a life of praise is far deeper than just coming on the Lord's Day and, and singing praises to God. It has greater meaning just than that. The lifestyle of praise has the power to change your life. It has the power to strengthen your will and your resolve. It has the power to feed your mind and your intellect, as well as the power to develop your faith. Above all, it has the power to give you power over sin and Satan in your life. You say, why is that? I'm going to tell you why. Listen carefully. Because the lifestyle of praise moment by moment, day in and day out, places us in a position of receiving God's blessings. I'm not saying you're going to get God's blessings right away. It's just put you in a position of receiving. In fact, the word barakah in Arabic, the word praise, it comes from when the camel kneels, See, when the camel is being loaded with blessings, the camel has to kneel in order to be loaded with all the good stuff that they're going to transport it. That's where the word actually originally comes from in the Arabic. So when you come into that praising, kneeling position, you are preparing yourself to receive the blessings from God. Whenever he does that, that's wonderful. But you are there all the time. Uh, Praise flows from the relationship of love and devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise brings us closer to the throne room of God than anything else. Praise changes us. Praise matures us. Uh, Praise reminds us of who we are and who God is. Praise leads us into surrender of ourselves totally to His Lordship. Now, amen belongs here. I can see some of your radio listeners. You're prepared. You know where Amen belongs. But you know, I was during that time, I, I, I had a, an awkward time really praising God publicly. But that's because I did not know how to praise God privately. You see, your public flow of worship comes from your private worship life. If you have a private worshiping life, it's going to come naturally to you when you are in public. And so I was reading and I was studying at that time in the early 90s, and I came across this illustration, which has really helped me a great deal. And it comes from the life of the British philosopher C.S. Lewis. When C.S. Lewis was a brand new Christian, he really could not understand all this bit about praising God and worshiping God. When he was a, a, a new Christian, he had trouble with the idea of praise uh, some of you may have an idea, a hard time with the idea of praise. Uh, some of you may f- feel awkward in public to praise God and feel free. It's like um, a music man, uh, uh, Aaron Keyes, was, was saying the other day. He said, you know, when I come home from being on the road, and my, there he has four sons, and and he said, when, 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 when the youngest ones start rum, running to me and want to hug me, and i said, oh, come on, settle down. We don't get emotional here. <laughs> he said, I don't do that, and God doesn't do that. And C.S. Lewis was having this, he, he always bristled at the, at, at the Bible's command of, of the joy that only comes from praising God. So here's what he said. I want to read it so I don't mess it up. He said, we all despise the man who demands continued assurance of his own virtue, Intelligence and delightfulness. He continued. And these words of the scripture sounded hideous. Like God was saying, what I want most is to be told that I'm good and I'm great. It also seems as if the psalm writers were bargaining with God. God, do you like some praise? Okay, do this and do that. And I'll give you some praise. But then, as C.S. Lewis began to grow and mature in Christ, as he began to mature in his knowledge and faith and and, in the Word of God, and he began to learn the real vital importance of praising God and developing this, what I'm calling the lifestyle of of praise, Uh, it was a time that he came into that deeper understanding of the Scripture. Listen to what he said after that time. He said, only in the acts of worship and praise can a person learn to believe in the goodness and the greatness of God. Then he continued. God wants us to praise him not because he needs or craves in any sense our flattery, but because he knows that praise creates joy and thankfulness. Now please listen to me very carefully, okay? I finished the quote now. You see, praise is not something you do for God. Uh, praise is not bribing God to get Him to do what you want Him to do. Otherwise, He's not doing, <laughs> and you're frustrated with His not answering prayer. Or so maybe if I give Him some praise, I'll get what what I want. You see, praise is not something you do in order that you might get on God's all good side so you can get what you need. No, 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 no. Now, that is the wrong understanding of praise. What God wanted to teach us, what God taught me and my family at the time, and I've taught since then all over the world, what God taught me and my wife and and our children during the toughest time of our lives and continues now for 24 years, is that praise places us in the very presence of God. You say, but Michael, don't we believe that God is omnipresent, that He is everywhere? Yes, we do. But the Bible said that God is present in a very special way during the praises of His people. He dwells, the, He tabernacles, in fact, the word literally means He pitched His tent with the praises of His people. That means that His presence is as speci- in a special way when we learn how to develop this lifestyle of praise. He will be, you'll be in his presence no matter where you are. As I said, wherever you go, you're in his presence. And what could be greater in life than being in the presence of God? Amen. There is nothing greater in life for me than being in the presence of God. And it doesn't mean only the early hours of the morning when I'm taking my, spending my time with him. That too, of course, absolutely wonderful thing, but every moment of every day. So, in order to hasten this, uh, bring you message all the way home, I want to show you four things, four things that God taught us about the life of praise or lifestyle of praise. If you write them down or you're tapping them on your iPad or iPhone Write them, because you're going to go back to them again and again and again. Number one, praise reveals to us our spiritual condition. Secondly, what praise does is it refocuses our personal destiny. And thirdly, praise reestablishes God's rule over our hearts and lives. Fourthly, praise reinforces our relationship with God. Can you repeat these? No? no. Okay. I'll, I'll go through them very slowly. Okay. <laughs> it's like a, when I was in seminary 40 plus years ago, I remember a student says, well, now how, uh, professor, how many points a sermon should have? Well, he thought for a minute, he said, well, at least one, but I'm giving you four. I'm generous today. Okay. How is praise reveals to us our spiritual condition? Our real spiritual condition. Let me tell you something. When I'm in the doldrum, spiritually speaking, i mean my mouth can't move. Are you, uh, have you experienced that? I mean, you try and the words just come out. Why? Because as, and, and the more you try, as soon as you begin to praise God, as soon as you begin to praise God, your spiritual God will begin to reveal to you where you are. How do I know that? Well, Jesus said it in Matthew 12, 34. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is the Lord saying? Here's what he's saying. You cannot separate what you say from what you think or how you feel. You cannot claim that what you speak has no relationship with what's inside of you. It's impossible. Or you don't speak what you really think or feel. If your heart is full of praise and thanksgiving, constantly lifting up praise to the Lord, then what emanates out of your mouth, and out of your lips, out of your tongue, is pra- praising of the Lord. Right? Here's what Jesus is saying. I give you a Yusuf translation. There is a fan belt between what you think and what you say. You know what I mean? Do you call it a fan belt in England? A fan belt. I'm totally non-technical. I really, I really am. I mean, I literally don't know. that I just learned this. When I was a little boy, I got behind a wheelbarrow. And my father said, what are you doing behind this technical instrument? And I've become non-technical ever since. <laughs> There's a fan belt. <laughs> I must admit, sometimes my fan belt gets loose every now now and again and needs tightening. And I guess yours too. But that does not negate the connection between the mind and the tongue. And I think we can sympathize with the saying, you know, the mouth is the grossest friend, the dentist's fortune, the orator's pride, and the fool's trap. You with me? You remember? Have you ever said things and you want to, oh, I wish I I could take that back? Uh Uh-uh. Too late. And that's why we need that fan belt tightened all the time. The eyes are the windows of the soul, but I can tell you the mouth is not often the door to the brain. (laughs) And a good piece of advice I always give myself is that when your mind goes on a blink, remember to turn off the sound machine. So Jesus is saying that when what we express in words is what we believe deep down. So if you are a griping person, or you know somebody who is, I'm sure none here. If you're a complaining person, it's because you have an ungrateful heart. If a person is discontented and dissatisfied all the time, it's because they have a discontented attitude. Uh, When a person is critical and criticizes everyone, everywhere, all the time, it's because they have a deep, critical spirit that needs to be exercised. (laughs) See, your praising lips are in direct proportion to your believing heart. I praise God in my heart, not in words, says one of my church members. I said, that's a cop-out. It's a cop-out. Because Jesus says that your words are expression of your heart. If your heart is full of praise, you can't help it but praise Him publicly. You cannot help it but open your mouth and praise Him and, and give Him adoration and worship. I live in a high-rise building in Atlanta, Georgia, and many of my neighbors are very prominent Jewish families, and I don't know how I ended up this. In fact, I met a, a Jewish lawyer friend of mine and found out that I'm in that building. He said, what are you doing in that Jewish building? I said, that's the blessing of God. <laughs> when all oh my, I, I, we have such dear, my wife and I developed such dear friendships. What a great opportunity for me to share the gospel with them. And one of the things they do when they come in, Michael, how are you? I said, I'm rejoicing. It doesn't matter what's going on. I'm rejoicing. They wonder, what are you rejoicing about? I mean, they really think I got a secret. I said, because... I am one day closer to heaven. (laughs) One of them asked me actually, he he said, this is a very, really a wonderful man and a dear friend now. But when he met me the first time, he said, every time I drive by the highway and look at this big edifice that you all built there, he said, you must have spent a boatload of money. I said, yes, we did. He said, where did he get it? I said, well, I have a Jewish banker. And as soon as I said I have a Jewish banker, God is my witness. He was looking for a piece of paper and a pen. <laughs> I want to know who does your investment. You know, I mean, he, he, I said, you don't need paper or pen or paper. i tell you, his name, you'll never forget it. His name is Jesus. He said, He said, oh. <laughs> I said, he gives us everything we, I mean, I told him, I said, and he said, well, did you borrow money for that? And I said, another dollar. He said, all this with no debt? I said, nope. And he said, well, what do you do? I said, we went on our knees. God provided it. <laughs> what a great opportunity to evangelize, right? <laughs> and, I, and I really do. I, I pray for these precious people all the time. But because, you see, what's in the heart is going to come out in the world. You can't help it. And so the first thing praise does is what? Reveals our true spiritual condition. Secondly, praise refocuses our personal destiny, which we tend to forget very easily. I don't have to tell you that this world hassles us. I mean, it really does. I mean, it, this world's problems are constantly overwhelming us. This world's difficulties are, 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 are continuously, continuously harassing us. Even if you don't think about all the problems of the world, you should think about your own life. I mean, you know, paying of the bills and, and, and the, dealing with illnesses and, and dealing with some cantankerous people sometimes. And, 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 and responding to all the demands of life. And you say, you know, but Michael, this is part of life. Yes. But let me ask you this, what would happen if all of your focus, if you get totally wrapped up in all of your problems, all your difficulties, all the challenges, all the suffering, I mean, if you just get wrapped up in that, if you just think about all your problems, and and you really become a prayer warrior when you need God to help you with your problems, but you focus completely on what will happen. I'm going to answer my own question. (laughs) I'm going to tell you what will happen. Very soon... Your identity in Christ becomes foggy and becomes misty and unreal. Very soon, you're going to lose sight of your destiny. Very soon, you're going to slide into pessimism and cynicism and even depression. Very soon, life loses its luster and its joy and its excitement. I promise you that. I know that because I've been there. At that point, you can choose to place yourself in the posture of praise or keep going in your foggy night. It's your choice. At that point, you can choose to be empowered by praising God or embattled by your problems. At this point, you can choose either to be strengthened by the wings of praise or sink deeper into despair. Right? What's your choice? Why do I say this? See, because when I began to learn to praise the name of the Lord, and I'll show you how in that book, no matter what difficult circumstances are my face, no matter what pain I experience, uh, my eyes begin to lift up from my current condition onto my heavenly position. My eyes immediately recognizes the smallness of my world and the bigness of my God. My eyes immediately refocuses on the smallness of my problem and the greatness of my God. My eyes shifts from the temporary to the permanent. My eyes begin to see with clarity my eternal destiny, that I'm only a traveler, I'm only a sojourner, I'm only a pilgrim on my way home, in my way to heaven. My eyes begin to look into the heavenly realm where the presence of God is pre- premiates, where the power of God dominates, where the position of God is supreme. That will lift you up in no time. Try it, try it. This is how praise refocuses our destiny. On what is permanent, not what's fleeting. So praise first reveals our true spiritual condition. Secondly, praise refocuses our eternal destiny. Thirdly, praise reestablishes God's reign on our hearts. The simple fact of God's presence is this. Wherever God dwells, wherever He dwells, He rules. That's just the way that, 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 that's the deal. (laughs) And that is why, yes, we believe God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. But God doesn't rule in every heart, right? Only in the hearts of those who invite Him to rule. And so... When the Bible says that God indwells or inhabits the praises of his people, it means that God is ready to take over your life if you let him. Why? Because your praise of his name is your invitation to him. Did you get that? In your praise of him, you are saying, Lord, you are my authority. Lord, you are my sovereign Lord, you are my king. Lord, you are my ruler. Please listen. God cannot dwell anywhere without taking over. I always chuckle every time I go through the Bible, every year. And when I come to the section, you know, when Joshua encountered the, 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 the commander of the, of the host, of, and, and, and he didn't know who he was. He knew he was a powerful uh, creature. He, he, he wasn't sure. And, and Joshua asked the question, you know, are you with us or with the enemies? This is what the theologians call theophanies, Jesus before incarnation. You remember what he said? I didn't come here to take sides, I came here to take over. <laughs> That's what God does. He comes in to take over. He cannot take sides. He takes over. When you invite God to dwell in your marriage, He will take it over. When you invite God to dwell in your family, He will take it over. When you invite God to dwell in your business, He will take it over. When you invite God to dwell in your church, He will take it over. When you invite God to dwell in your school, He will take it over. And that is why praise is our foremost means of inviting God to come and rule supreme. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Lots, lots of believers one God to rule here in this area, and in this area, and in this area, and uh, Lord, but this is mine. I- I'll handle this. Hey, it's just too much to bother you with it. Let-, let me handle this, Lord. My finances, my goodness, I got an MBA. I can handle that one. Yeah. You-, you do the other stuff, Lord. You take care of the world. And just let- I said, illustrated the early service, you know, it's like if Pastor Collins ever come and take me up on my offer and visit me at home. And- in Atlanta, Georgia, and I say, Pastor Colin, the whole house is yours, Just, you have the run of it. So he gets up in the middle of the night from jet lag, and he goes to the kitchen, but it's locked. <laughs> he goes to the bathroom, it's locked. He goes to the living area, I want to sit down, it's locked. Just put him in one bedroom, and that was it, he can't go anywhere else. This a lot of Christians are doing this. That's why they lock God. They put Him in this area. God, you take care of this, and all of this. I'll take care of the rest of the rest is mine. Let me tell you something. Either Jesus going to be the Lord of all or not Lord at all. He does not like this piecemeal stuff. He likes it all. May you today give Him all and become a man and woman, boy or girl of praise. Praise is the foremost means by which we ask God to reign supreme. Praise is the foremost means by which we are asking God to establish His authority over us. And that's precisely why some Christians don't want to do this. Because God does not like to share His authority. God does not like to share His rule. He does not like to share His power. He does not like to share His glory. Uh, He gives us all of these things when we are in submission to Him. Out of His grace. But not as we demand them. He either takes over or takes off. You say, wait a minute. I mean, R.T. Kindle has been here all this time telling us, you can't lose your salvation. What Are you you're saying I'm I to lose my... No, 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 no. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. But I'm talking about losing the joy that comes from the presence of God. Praise reveal what? Our true spiritual condition. Praise refocuses our personal destiny. Praise reestablishes God's rule over our hearts. And fourthly, praise reinforces our relationship with God. One of the problems for all of us, might not be for you, but I know for me, for most of us, A- and you watch it. Watch it in your own, as you examine yourself, okay? Just watch it. We can easily fall in love with our ideas and our opinions hello, (laughs) we can easily think highly of our ability, Um, easily think highly of our intelligence, or easily think highly of our cleverness, we can easily do that, easily think highly of our knowledge, or our status, or wherever we come from, or wherever we do, whatever background, easily. Revert to that. Ah, before long, you begin to think that you are God's gift to the world. Hello, but praise reminds us of who we really are and who God is. What praise does is remind us, is remind me that I am a sinner saved by grace, a fallen being redeemed and saved by God's pure, sovereign grace had nothing to do with me, had nothing to do with what I did, had nothing to do with what I do, Has nothing to do with what I can do, had nothing to do with what I will do. Pure sovereign grace. What praise does is that it places me with all of my limitations, all of my faults, all of my sins in the light of God's power of forgiveness. You see, what praise does, it reminds me if what a tiny fraction of God's love, God's wisdom, and God's power do I really comprehend. What praise does, it makes us say with Job, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. That's what praise does. That's what praise does. Please, don't misunderstand me, okay? Because I know the other extreme is dangerous. I've met people through the years. Oh, Brother Yusuf, I'm unworthy. I can't do this. I'm terrible. I am sinful. I can't. Oh, wait a minute. We all are. <laughs> I remember a guy, I was asking him to do a certain task in the church, and so oh brother, Youssef, I'm I'm just unworthy. I said, Of course are you not worthy. Do you think if you're worthy, what I'll ask you? <laughs> it took care of him. He's never said no to me again. <laughs> I mean, that was the end of it. <laughs> but now there are people going around, you know, I can't do this. Oh, of course, but he can do all things through you, right? Yeah. And that is why praise is vitally important. Because when it reveals to us, our true spiritual condition is going to drive us to what? Repentance. And when you repent... That willing of the Holy Spirit revived inside of you, stirred up inside of you, and you're going to become more effective for Christ and more fruit-bearing for Christ. You're going to be doing things that you never thought possible or you dreamed of, poss- of, of being possible. So don't hang your head down. You see, what goes hand in hand with praise, style, life, life, praising lifestyle, is a repentant lifestyle. You see, we always think repentance belongs to the people who don't know Christ. But repentance belongs to the people of God. We ought to be a repentant people all the time. But when we repent, we don't want to dwell there. Because there's some people just stay in their sin and, and are constantly worried about their sin. And, if the, and it goes back and back and back. No, no, no. God says, move on. I already moved them as far as the east from the west. See, being realistic about our sinfulness leads us to repentance and true appreciation of God's goodness and grace to us. The more we are realistic about our weaknesses and our faults and our shortcomings and our inadequacies, the more we comprehend God's graciousness toward us. The more you are excited about your life in Christ, and the more you become excited about the possibilities of how God can use you. But stay in His presence. Don't leave. Don't get say, well, I did this for two three weeks. I became a praising person. But, you know, nothing happened. So, no, 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 no. you got to stay there for the rest of your life. <laughs> and God will work in you and through you in His good time. But I promise you, He will. He will. I was 18 years old. In the streets of Cairo, desperately trying to leave. This is 46 years ago. Times have changed now. And I said to the Lord, I said, I go anywhere, do anything. And every time the Lord opens the door for me, and I say, Oh, but I don't have this, and I don't have the money, and I can't do this. And the Lord says, Remember what you said? I go anywhere, do anything. I said, Okay, Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> I repent. And God opens the doors, and He drags me along. And I know that's the testimony of so many of you. Because this is the... That's the core of the gospel I'm talking about. The entire Bible. For example, if you ask Isaiah, we say, Isaiah, what is the purpose of life? In chapter 43, verse 20 and 21, he would say that we might proclaim his praise. If you ask Peter, Peter, what's the purpose of life? He will tell you in 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, that we may bring praise, glory, and honor to Jesus Christ. If you ask Paul, Paul, what is the purpose of life? In Ephesians 1, he says, to the praise of His glory. If you ask the Lord Jesus, what is the purpose of life? In Luke 19, he says, that you may praise Him. And if you don't, if you would not praise Him, the stones will. And so, you would rather do what the stones could do, right? And be a praising person. How many of you here said, I really want to be, and I want to develop a lifestyle of praise? Let's raise your hand. Now let me pray with you. Father, I praise you, adore you, worship you, for you have and continue to teach me And I pray in the name of Jesus that the same Holy Spirit will come and begin to teach every one of my brothers and sisters who are here today that, Father, to be a praiseful people of God. And so, Father, that we may see the power of God working in us in ways that we never thought possible. That's because of your grace. We thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you.